0: You're listening to Business Stories with Ryan Arcaracci, where I speak to business professionals from all walks of life. Thanks for listening and let's get to it. Welcome everybody. We are back with a new episode for the new year. And since we are in a new year, you might be thinking about a lot of things in your life, whether you're looking to transition out of the work you're in, maybe you've fallen out of work and you're looking for new opportunities. So I wanted to bring in my guest today, who's also a client, Irving Chung. In the Texas area, Irving is a franchise consultant with FranChoice, and he's here to talk about his background, his experience, and all the things he can offer and educate people on when it comes to franchise ownership. So, Irving, happy New Year! Thanks for being here.
1: Hey, happy New Year, Ryan. Thanks so. It's such a pleasure to be here.
0: Yes. Yeah, so let's talk about your background. You've you've got a pretty vast you know amount of experience in marketing and sales, working in the corporate world, and then you transitioned into this. Franchise consulting role, so kind of walk us through how did that happen?
1: Yeah, so it's kind of a long journey. Journey, um, like like you mentioned, I was in uh, marketing for over twenty five years, um, producing exciting commercials for the Super Bowl. I was involved in the cola wars back in the nineties. Um, you know, I worked on Coca Cola, so of course, love Coke over Pepsi. But um, I get to meet celebrities, met Paul Abdul, Elton John. Um, you know. um, I created the original Got Milk campaign, so some really exciting claims to fame, and it was a great career, but like I described to most people, you know, corporate's great until it's not. I got burned out, just sick of the corporate grind, climbing a ladder, and, and not feeling like I'm getting anywhere, and so I decided to, um, you know, I, I thought maybe it's better if I owned my own business and didn't really know what kind of business to own, so I was introduced to a franchise consultant with Fran Choice. And that's how I got exposed to franchising. So six years ago, I bought my own franchise. I bought a Cycle Bar, an indoor cycling studio, and uh, and I loved it. I mean, it's uh, it's a business that's in fitness. I have a passion for fitness, helping other people to be better. It's a recurring revenue stream. So once you build your customer base, it, it's a recurring revenue stream. So there are a lot of reasons why I chose that business, and has been it's been fantastic. Um, as an evolution from there, um, I decided to be a franchise consultant. So the company I work with now, FranChoice, which is also the company I went with to find my franchise, they actually bring on franchise owners to be consultants. And, you know, kind of the way I like to view it is my transition from being a franchise owner to a consultant is kind of helping pay it forward. Helping other people to learn about this great opportunity that most people really don't have any knowledge of. You know, a lot of people know about franchising, but most people have no idea how to get into it. You know, um, so that that's kind of my evolution. You know, today um, I still run my franchise business. Uh, I run it as what's called a semi-absentee owner business, which means that it's a manager run. So it takes me about five or eight hours a week to manage that business while doing my consulting business.
0: So walk us through that transition for somebody who you're talking to from the corporate world into the franchising world, because it is a a big leap, right? It's, it's a different world entirely. And I think emotionally, a lot of people have a lot of fear and anxiety around the unknown, right? So walk us through kind of what did, how did you feel doing that? What was that like for you?
1: It is scary, but I was so completely done with corporate that anything would look better than that you know what i mean i was just you know kind of sick of the rat race but it is still scary you know i was very calculated in my transition um i bought a business that's a brick and mortar which means i had to build a studio it took almost a year to build that studio so i kept my job all the way until the day i was ready to grand open you know and so you know owning a franchise you can control a lot of your future for example, you know, I chose a business called semi-absentee ownership business, which means that it's primarily manager run. I never intended to just work the studio. Um, there's some businesses that are classified as <clears throat> owner operator businesses. That's where you're committing to run the business day to day. Yeah. Right. So depending on a on type of business you choose, you can keep your W-2 job. You know, uh, semi-absentee owner business are designed to allow you to keep your day job. So some people wanna start a business as a side, second business, they can choose a se- semi-absentee owner business. That That's kind of what I chose to do because I knew I wanted to get into to consulting work. So I knew I wasn't gonna be just running this franchise as my future. Right. I knew I wanted to build multiple revenue streams. So really, unless you got laid off and needed need a job, I mean, that could be a great option as well. Some franchises you can start as fast as one to three months and be up and running.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. you
1: know some and and what's great about franchising is franchising is a proven model and to some degree you'll be able to understand what the past earning potential is for that business by talking to past franchise or existing franchisees so there's really kind of a calculated risk that you're taking um it's not a complete risk it's not a complete blind you know jump in a pool on a deep side with your eyes closed You'll actually be able to do some research, talk to existing franchise owners, really get a sense of what their earning potential is and their earning history is, uh, which is the one of the benefits, primary benefits of franchise you know, businesses is that it, it's a proven model.
0: So walk us through sort of your process, because I, I talk to a lot of consultants, and I think every one of them is different in terms of how they educate and guide their clients right. through the process. And yep. you have hands-on experience being a franchisee. So you have another level of yeah. experience and, and ways to guide people. You have that story under your belt. So
1: well, so let me yeah, tell how you, do you th- do that. Let me tell you this, Ryan. So almost all other franchise brokerage companies out there, they don't care if you're a franchise owner or not to be a consultant. I mean, basically a lot of them are pay-for-play. As long as you pay the fee, they'll make you a franchise consultant. You know, I, I think Franchise is very unique in our space, and that all of the franchise consultants in Franchise are either franchisors or franchisees. So we all come with existing background, and to me, I think that's the best angle to play because, or or to work with, because you know, it, it's like going to a military recruiter and you saying, "Yeah, I'm thinking about joining the military." And the recruiter's like, you know what, Ryan? That's a great idea. I think you should as well. You should join the Marines. You can see the world, travel, grow up, get some experience. You know, you should definitely do it. And if you ask the recruiter, so so tell me, how long were you in service? Oh, I I'm not in the military, but yeah. but you should. Yeah. <laughs> so right. to me, it's a little disingenuous to be able to you know not walk the walk while talking to talk. With me, I I've gone through the process. I've made the evaluation. You know, I purchased and and made the choice and have run the business with my wife and and so you know a a big part of what I do is consult from a first-hand experience standpoint like you said it's scary and knowing someone else has done it the person that you're talking to can help coach you through the entire process right so where does the process start to start it starts with the it's based on how much information my candidate has about franchising most people have a very superficial understanding of franchising So I start with the basics, you know, what's it cost, what kind of, you know, tell me about royalties and the fees and all the costs, you know, how long is the term, uh, a franchise term and the license term, what are your rights as an owner, you know, all that kind of stuff. What kind of support do you get? So I go through all those basics, but then I'll actually go through all the different categories of businesses I have. I've I've hundreds of options in nearly 30 categories. I mean, everything from fitness to food to children's enrichment to healthcare to senior care, um, you know, all types of businesses. In fact, I'd like to, I, I, you know, for the most part, I, I have almost a business for every category, right? Wow. And, and what does it take to find the best choice or the best option or the best match? There's three criteria I, I, I generally talk to people about. Number one is economics. What can you afford? The fastest way to go out of business is to buy a business that's over your head. You need to have working capital, you need to have money to cover some of the rough times and have a little bit of extra. So number one is economics. What can you afford? Number two, and I'll never put somebody in a business that's over their head, right? That's just that's just irresponsible. So number one is what can you afford? Most people really need to understand the economics of not only what it costs to launch, but what does it cost to operate? So I try to go through all those details to make sure they understand all the financial requirements of owning a business. Number two is. Is in in the other part of economics is is how much do you want to make, right? Some people say, "Well, I just want a supplemental income." That's very different than I want to be wealthy, right? Being wealthy is very different. So we talk about what are your earning goals, and that helps me identify what the best businesses are there as well. Number two is conviction. You got to believe in what you what you do. Okay, no matter what franchise you own, you're selling your services, even when it comes to children's tutoring. I mean, do I need to educate parents that their kids should be educated and they need help if they're struggling? Absolutely not. But to convince them to use your tutors, that yeah, you got to sell your business, right? You got to sell it. And you can't sell if you don't believe in it. You know? For example, I'm not a smoker. I don't believe in selling cigarettes or vapes. And 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 I honestly, if someone told me I can make a million dollars a month selling cigarettes and vape, I couldn't do it because I couldn't do it with a straight face. I couldn't do it yeah. with a, with a, with a, without a guilty conscience, right? So number two is conviction. You got to believe in what you do. And number three is passion. Ideally, when you launch a business, you should love it as much from your first day to to the last day on your 10th year. You know what I mean? So ideally, you're finding a business that that delivers on a passion. And there's passion. Passion is such a gray area, right? You can define it in so many ways. Passion could be making money. Absolutely. I'm fine with that being a passion. Passion could be bringing a service to your community. Passion can be do something that doing something that you enjoy and, and you and love to do. So there's a lot of ways to define passion, but you know, the 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 saying is true. If you're passionate about something, you're gonna do better at it. Right. So I always try to lead people towards a business that they're passionate about because it just inherently in that whole proposition, they're gonna do better if you're if you're passionate about something.
0: Yeah. So yeah, that's those are the
1: criteria great. that I go through. So, you know, usually that's a pretty good process for picking the right business.
0: <clears throat> do you have any particular particular stories? Like of, 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 of course you can keep things confidential where you have to. But yeah, you have I, I, got, I got a bunch of
1: stories, but uh, you know, Gosh. my recent one, I talked to a young gentleman, he's 38 years old, you know, he he's lives in Florida and he had a great job with a major television network, right? And he said, you know, I quit my job the other day because i just felt unfulfilled and I'm, I'm sick of just climbing a ladder i'm like what you quit your job i was like you know probably not the smartest thing to do but I, I love the passion and and you know and and his sense of purpose and during our investigation you know he started off by saying i love to travel i would love to do a travel business and i said okay that you know let's let's consider that and as we got into it you know we started talking about what drives him and what's passion what he's passionate about and I learned that he is the primary caregiver for his ninety two year old grandmother. Wow. He said he loves it. He feels he feels close to her. um he he feels like there's, you know, he couldn't find any services in his area that could deliver the care that he's giving her. And, you know he he just has such a huge respect for her. and 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 in discussing that, he he realized that, you know, he didn't even realize that was a category of business. Yeah. Senior care, Ryan, is one of the most booming categories in 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 franchising, and the reason why is because there's over ten thousand people turning over sixty five a day. Uh, this is this is the largest age demographic are seniors, right? Boomers. Uh, by twenty thirty, every boomer will be over sixty five.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. And so that that is the area he's going to pursue. He he's he he was so delighted to find out that that was a category he feels like he's going to get so much fulfillment and the revenue opportunities in Miami. I mean, think about Florida. I mean, that's, that's what, you know, heaven's waiting room. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a lot of seniors in Florida. Right. And so, you know, and the fact that he's bilingual, I mean, that's just another benefit to being in the service that market. Um, anyway, that's just one story yeah. of, of many that I have that in discovering in, in this process, we discover things that, you know what he said to me was, I had no idea that was even an option. Yeah. You know, and I hear that almost every time. I have and another, I yeah, in city, and you know, he lost his job, and he's like, you know what, I, I would love to find a business I'm passionate about, and you know, what what do you equate when you think of Kansas City? I'll give you a cheat barbecue.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I was just thinking that barbecue. Right.
1: Okay. Yeah. Good. I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have given you the answer. Okay. Uh, Anyway, so, so he found out that it's a barbecue cleaning business. He was floored. He was like, what? He goes, I never heard of that. Yeah. He goes, you kidding me. He goes, everyone in Kansas City owns at least three barbecue grills. We got a regular grill. We got a, a smoker and we have a pellet grill. Yeah. He goes, and, and I tell you, he goes, I'll tell you, nobody cleans their grill. I was like, and yeah. that's, a, you know, we might scrub the the, grill, the grate. That's about it. But otherwise, there's all kinds of stuff building up in there. There's probably rat droppings because, of course, it's going to attract rodents uh, that you're cooking up in every hamburger. I mean, when you find out the health risk and the health issues with a dirty grill, you'd be disgusted. Um, In fact, I'm going to go call and have mine steam cleaned uh, as soon as spring comes around because I don't clean my grill. And, And he's another person who's just completely delighted by the discovery of a business that he would never have thought of until, unless he met with me and we went through all my process.
0: What I think is great about what you're saying is I think a lot of people out there, people listening to this, maybe in a job that they enjoy kind of, but it, it's not their passion, passion, right? And I think what you're doing Irving is you are finding people's passion through just having that conversation. And once you find it, then you just kind of direct them into the right spot. And that's got to feel pretty fulfilling, right?
1: I mean, It is. I I love what I do. I I, I love what I do every day because I help people learn about things that they don't know about. I help people discover passion. I help people find options when they thought they had no options. I mean, it's really a fantastic uh, career that I have. But let me tell you that most people are not happy with what they do. Most people end up pursuing a, a career that they stumbled on and and it was great to pay the bills and every day year after year you're paying the bills you're paying the bills saying yeah it's fine it's paying the bills and and you know you, you 10 15 years into it you're like what am i doing yeah you know i i i hate this you know you get tired of it you get bored of it you know and and that's usually my sweet spot usually i talk to people who are 10 15 years into their career and they can't stand it but they find themselves stuck because after doing something for 15 years you have no choice but to stay in that business. I, I was in marketing for 25 years. If I tried to go into finance, they'd look at my resume and say, you don't qualify. If I try to get into programming, they'd look at my background and say, you know what? You don't qualify. I mean, literally, you end up pigeonholing yourselves you know, uh, as you get more senior in what you do. Yeah. You, you know it's, it's sad, but you know you, you don't have a lot of options when you've invested in one category for most of your life.
0: I think that when you don't like what you do, it affects all other areas of your life because sometimes you take it out on your family, you take it out on your friends, you're just unhappy doing something for eight to 10 hours a day you don't like, um, and it affects everything else. So
1: 100%. I mean, if you think about it, right, the hours you put into your work, you're putting more hours into your work than anything else in your life. Right. 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 I mean, it, it, it's definitely going to impact, you know, your your health, your well being, your mindset. You know, in fact, part of the reason why I left corporate was that I I thought I was having a heart attack. I woke up one morning and my heart just didn't feel right. I couldn't breathe, and and I said to my wife, I said, "You need to take me to the ER because I think I'm having a heart attack." And she like freaked out. I freaked out. We went to the, to the, to the to the ER, and I got admitted and, and got all these tests done. And the doctor the next day said, you know what? <clears throat> got good news and bad news. Good news is you didn't have a heart attack. Bad news is you probably will because you have all the signs of, of, you know, it, it was, it was an acute panic attack wow. He goes, you had, you had high blood pressure, you're overweight. He went through all these lists of things and he goes, this is just a warning sign that, you know, you're not taking care of yourself. Yeah. And, and it's true because I was put in 50 hour weeks. I was, you know, pulling all nighters for work and. I was, you know, not exercising. I wasn't eating right. I was traveling a lot, you yeah. know, and during those kind of, you know, circumstances, it's very hard to take care of yourself. Yeah. And And so that was part of the eye opener that woke me up to, you know, needing to really take care of myself and look for some alternatives versus kind of signing yourself up to, you know, work for somebody else and giving them control of your life, basically.
0: Yeah. That's that's a great story. I mean, it was a difficult thing to go through, but I think it was also a wake-up wake call for you to find a different road, right? Yeah, Do I mean, there's else. a lot of,
1: you know, all of us run into circumstances that are wake-up calls, right? Yeah. That was one of them. But, you know, getting laid off, you know, from certain other, other people, you know, I mean, there's there's all kinds of wake-up calls that happen, you know, getting passed up time over time, you know, uh, on a promotion, yeah. uh, you know, whatever it might be. I mean, it's, a lot of us get, you know see these clues is about whether or not you see them and and take action on them most right. most of the reason why people don't make any change is because they're afraid yeah yeah here is the biggest you know uh obstacle to people progressing yeah yeah you know, because change is uncomfortable you know and most people just aren't <laughs> aren't uh geared to to be uncomfortable you know, the yeah. status quo is comforting, right? Because you just get up and do the same thing over and over again. You know, my paycheck, I I get it at the end of the month.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, it's very easy to just live a life of status quo. It's yeah. difficult to challenge yourself to do something different. You know? Right. Yeah.
0: So. That's all really good. I do want to ask you to, I want to segue a little bit on how we work together because you sure. started to work with... Uh, Us, I work with a lot of consultants and you started working with client tether. I can't remember. I think it's been over a year now. It's been a while, Uh, but let's talk about how that's going and what, what drew you to us.
1: Yeah. Client tether is a great solution, right? Because I'm dealing with dozens of people a week and, and, you know, and, and my, my, my approach is a non-pressured approach. I work based on, you know, each candidate's time, own personal timeline and so for me to keep track of that timeline, it's important to have automation tools that can you know schedule calls and can help me keep on track. And I can see in a visual perspective just at a quick you know glance, um, you know who do I need to talk to today or who do I need to schedule a call with for tomorrow or next month. Um, I can schedule calls, I can you know plot out my my timelines and really just help me organize better. And, and client tether has been fantastic at that.
0: How do you feel it's helped your engagement with leads and prospects? Do they feel like you are more attentive and, and is it helping you move them through your process more efficiently in general?
1: It, it really has. Um, you know, like I said, you know, depending on, on where someone is in my, in my, in my pipeline, you know, I put them in a certain area. And, and it just flags me whenever I need to take them to the next step, right? So it just helps me stay on top of, um, you know, each candidate uh, based on where they are. You know, if, if someone is going on vacation the first of the year and they can't talk to February, then I can put a notation to reach back at them in February because in 30 days, I can't remember, you know, where somebody is in the pipeline, you know, so by setting that up and, and being able to program it so that I get flagged come February, you know, that, that, that really is, an, is very helpful for me to be able to keep track of, of everybody and to, to help service everybody based on their timeline.
0: The big question I get is people compare us to a Zoho or a pipe drive or Upspot. Mm-hmm. How, what, how do you think we compare? I mean, why are we a better fit for people that do what you do? Yeah,
1: I tried a couple of of options. One of them is, um, your training was phenomenal. Um, you know, honestly, I tried pop drive and even though I had another consultant trying to coach me through it and sharing with me his best practices, I couldn't program it, I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't even get it to work. I I spent about a year worth of fees having a, a CRM that I didn't even use. And, and after, you know, I don't know if you remember my first call with you, but I said, Ryan, I'll I'll go over with you guys. I'll work with, I'll transition you guys. If you can guarantee that at the end of training, I'll be able to have a fully populated CRM that's functioning. And you said, yeah, we, I can promise that. And the reality is after, what is it? Three weeks of training or whatever it was, four weeks of training, I had a fully functioning CRM. Yeah, I mean, it, it was incredible. So. The training that you guys offer is is a real key to me going with client tether. Um, in addition to all the integrations, um, you know uh, that that it that it has, <clears throat> you know, you offer text, phone calling, uh, email. Um, it even integrates with one of my mail programs. I work with a another service called Mailbox Power, which sends you know greeting cards and physical gifts, and, and it integrates with that solution as well.
0: That's awesome. I'm so glad. And I I've, I've, I've enjoyed working with you, Irving, and all the good things you say about us. So, I'm glad we're working together. I do have to ask you something before we wrap this up, though. Sure. I got to ask you about the Got Milk campaign. <laughs> <laughs> how did that How did that happen because I remember that. I remember how popular it was. Oh my god. It, it was everywhere. Mm-hmm. It was on posters, it was on commercials. I got to ask you about that story.
1: Yeah, so, you know, what's funny about marketing is, you know, the the real key to marketing is trying to get people to react emotionally, right? And, and you know, the best commercials are the ones that get you get a reaction, either by laughing, by crying, or by being angry, or whatever it is, right? If you can stimulate emotion, you created a good commercial. Right. And so think about that, right? I mean, otherwise, it just falls into the, the rest of all the millions that you see every day. Like what stands out is if you stimulate emotion. Well, the California Milk Marketing Board came to our agency and said, listen, you know, milk does a body good was the campaign prior to ours and it had like a 98% awareness. Everyone knew it. That was a health direction, right? Milk does a body good. And 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 milk was declining like rapidly. Nobody was drinking milk. And they said, we just need to stimulate milk consumption. We don't want to go with a health method message because obviously people don't care about the health, uh, you know, their health when it comes to milk or they don't believe it. Um, and so that was all the direction we got. We did some research and we did all this research and we found that milk is a critical component of everyone's life we found that 90 percent of people consume milk of one form or another it doesn't mean just having to chug a glass it means with your coffee it means with your cereal it means maybe with with a chocolate chip cookie right so so almost everybody interacted with milk at some point in their life well that was kind of boring right so okay hey milk is you know milk's essential yeah, sure, that wouldn't have generated any any emotion. Well, in the middle of one focus group, we we just had the question that we asked the group. We said, well, what happens if you don't have milk? And this one guy just jumps out of his chair. He goes, oh my God, my life would be over. He goes, if I didn't have milk, I wouldn't be to have coffee. If I don't have coffee, I'm not gonna wake up. If I don't wake up, I'm not gonna get to work. I'm gonna get fired. If I get fired, I'm gonna lose my house. And if I lose my house, I'll probably lose my family. I mean, oh. he just went down this huge rabbit hole. Yeah. And we just at that moment we realized we struck gold, and 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 we we realized that if we took milk away from people, they would freak out. Yeah. So our our campaign was got milk, which is reminding people that when you have certain instances, if you want to wake up and have cereal and you didn't have milk, guess what? You can't use water. You can't use orange juice. Yeah. You can't use coffee. Yeah. If you had a chocolate chip cookie or a big piece of chocolate cake and you didn't have milk, I mean that literally would ruin that experience. So we were we went with the visceral campaign that said, "Hey, if you have this, you need to have milk. Make sure you have milk in your fridge, right? Whenever you run into this situation, so the got milk was just reminding people that, hey, while you're in the store, don't forget you need to grab milk because the worst situation to be in is to not have it when you need it.
0: Did you did you actually come up with the the got milk? I mean, were you the guy who said, "No, hey, let's I was... try just got milk."
1: Yeah, I was in charge of all the research and the strategy development. Okay. Uh, one of my copywriters, uh, Chuck McBride, he's the guy who wrote it, and uh, you know he presented it to the team. And you know we, we we yeah it took a little while to develop into that campaign, but I can't take copy, I can't take credit for the writing or the creativity of it. Our creative team did that.
0: Wow, but you were behind it. I mean, you were you were I was behind the strategy.
1: Writing. Yeah, I was behind all the strategy work that created the strategy that the creative came out of. So that that's usually how how advertising works. You know, you have a, a a strategy team that develops a strategy and then they brief the creative team to say, hey, here's the situation. How would you, you know, create a campaign or create, you know, some some clever work that'll get this in front of people, you know, that will convey this you know, message to people.
0: Did you and, see an uptick after that? After that came out? Did you see a, it an increase? It actually, in sales? Reversed,
1: it actually reversed the decline of of milk consumption, which is which is amazing. So it wasn't just the the most award-winning campaign. It also had huge amounts of success for the milk industry, wow. uh, which is why eventually it got bought by the National Milk um, Board. So it started in California only. It started in San Francisco, and it was just it was it was funded by the California Milk Marketing Board. Uh, and then after that, it grew into a national campaign because of its success. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I Irving, I, thank I you so I much. Ro- I wish I had royalties on that. I'd probably be rich. <laughs> but that's not how the business works.
0: And yeah, it's still it's still great that you are part of it, though. I mean, that's it's a oh, lot absolutely. of bragging rights there.
1: Yeah. It, it's it's a great, yeah, it was a great experience.
0: Yeah. Well, Irving, thank you so much for joining me on this program. And um, I look forward to talking to you more, working with you more. I'll get this out to you and you can share it with uh, your uh, your network. And if you're listening to this and you are looking for an opportunity in any way, uh, reach out to Irving. He's a great guy, very knowledgeable. And if you don't know, there's so many opportunities out there. If you don't like what you're doing or you're just unhappy, like some other people have been in the past, get over the fear, at least talk to somebody. Don't jump in head first, but talk to somebody first and see how that goes.
1: So yeah, And my services are free. So there's really no risk to uh, learn more and to just see what's out there, you know?
0: Yeah. What's the best way for people to reach you, Irving, if they have questions or interests? Well,
1: you know, I'm available. My phone number is 214-908-9791. So you can see that on my header. Um, You know, uh, you can reach out via email, ichung at FranChoice.com. So yeah, I'm uh, just reach out and either way, happy to connect.
0: All right. Thank you, Irving.
1: Thank you, Ryan. Have a great year.
0: You too. Hey, this is Ryan. Are you in the market for a customer relationship management system for your business? Well, before you drop a dime, pick up my book, Customer Relationship Management Exposed, now available on Amazon. Just search Customer Relationship Management Exposed in my name, R-Y-A-N-A-R-C-O-R-A-C-I. This is your definitive guide to saving money before purchasing a CRM. So pick it up today.